If you're a leader in an organization, then it's your job to manage change. And many leaders are very effective at navigating organizational change and delivering results. But only a few leaders succeed at managing the change, delivering results, and building trust within the organization. By building trust, these leaders find a way to make that change attractive so that employees willingly come along on this journey into adversity. And that takes skill. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Prescott, and we'll be having a conversation with him about management, change, and trust. Stay with us. Welcome to Drummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, JB Adams. In this series, I'm talking with members of the Crummer community and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best career and business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, innovative, and responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Prescott, former executive in residence, associate professor, and now continuing graduate faculty of management at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. His area of focus is individual, group, and organizational behavior, and he carries life certifications in human resource management. He holds the special distinction of having had a full 18-year career in the telecommunications industry before pursuing his PhD and becoming a professor. Dr. Robert Prescott, welcome to the show. Oh, JB, what an honor to be with you and with the Crummer family today. Um, I, I first and foremost um, have to share this with you as we get started here. I found myself over coffee this morning reflecting back on my 16 years at Crummer, and, and I wanted to, to really say a good hearty hello to the most important people uh, that may be listening to this podcast, and that's my former students and the alumni of Crummer, all of them. Uh, I did the quick math and uh, spent 16 years at, at Crummer teaching uh, oh, five to six uh, courses per year. And that equates over a 16, 17 year period uh, to about 3,300 MBAs. And I just can't tell you how much I learned from them when they thought I was teaching them. So it's, it's a two way street and lifelong learning is exactly that. And we'll come back to that point later in the discussion. Oh, well, that is definitely true. Uh, all of our lives touch each other. I mean, I think we're all put on this planet to learn from each other. Um, your area of expertise is management. Your specialty is human behavior. What is particularly important in organizational behavior right now? Why do you think business leaders should be paying attention to this? Well, as has been, uh, JB, but recent events uh, certainly drive us toward the consideration of dealing with change in our organizations. Um, there's an old proverb that says, may you live in interesting times. And my goodness, uh, no one thought we would leave, live in this interesting uh, of a time. To say the least. <laughs> but I would say dealing with change, adapting to change, uh, embracing change, finding ways to to break through change and to continue to foster a, a behavior of an organization toward the goal of the organization is probably the most important thing that that I teach and right now and have and, and right now. 
and uh, continue to do with uh, with other companies and organizations as as I continue to do consulting and workshops. What would you say is something that people are telling you about the difficulties of the time? The the difficulties of the time is um, is really getting people to continue to communicate in in virtual settings, uh, continuing to share a, a, a common culture or purpose of the organization when yet we are separated by our face, normal face-to-face -face communications and behaviors and interactions. And from your observations, what does stepping up look like? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, stepping up is is putting on your T-shirt of I can handle change, right? It's putting on your your organizational attitude of embracing the change and adapting to change and, and working with others, knowing that no one of us has the exact answer for that change, but that all of us together can help readily deal with that change and, and come up with effective remedy for dealing with that change. Okay, and, and by the same token, I mean, I wanna go there. What does falling down look like? And speaking of remedies, what might some remedies be? Yeah, falling down includes uh, running from change, hiding from change, ignoring change, or as we see in some organizations, uh, even some employees clandestinely undermine change because we, we feel comfortable as human beings with the status quo. Listen, sociology teaches us that 83% of us don't like change. You know, don't come and disrupt my order. Don't come and disrupt the way that I do things. But when you get groups of people together, then you have a multiplicity of ways that people like to approach and deal with change. Only 17% of us then like change and in fact drive uh, our way toward change and, and rally, try to rally the troops to help deal with the change. And well, guess what? Those 17% scare the heck out of those 83%, <laughs> right? And so what, what could be the common denominator? What could be the stake in the ground that, that we as a cumulative group uh, in an organization of employees can, can rally around that change and try to improve the, the, the business growth that we're trying to achieve or the business sustainability that we're trying to achieve? I think it's purpose. I think it's purpose with a keen focus on accountability and responsibility. So I kind of answered uh, what does falling down look like, but yet gave the prognosis of in the prescription for focusing on that, being held, being responsible, being held accountable, and then rallying around that in a, in a, in a cumulative way of accepting of each other's styles and competencies. All right, with your permission, I'm gonna label that the takeaway. So let me just reiterate what I heard. In these challenging, changing times, we need to have a sense of purpose. Yes. We need to take responsibility. And, be held, and be held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. In fact, welcome that accountability. You know, lay it right here, I'll get it done. Lay it right here, present the issue, present the challenge, and we will work together in, in individual work and group work for organizational purpose. Perfect. We're gonna move on to your backstory and that gives us a chance to get to know you and understand your early business influences. So let's just start with the basics. Tell us where you were born and raised 
and what generation you identify with. Oh, me. I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm and a proud member of the baby boom generation. I went to um, uh, an, an older, one of the older inner city schools in Birmingham called Woodlawn High School and grew up in Birmingham all of my years and then wound up going to undergraduate school only about 70 miles away at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. My, uh, my first, uh, <laughs> my first uh, focus in study was actually going to be pre-med because I was um, the, the son of uh, a physician. My uncle was a physician and my grandfather was a physician. Now, I'll go ahead and give you the punchline to the joke. Uh, I later went on, as you know, certainly to get my PhD from Penn State, and now I'm the kind of doctor who cannot help you. Well, I, I was going to say that it's fascinating to learn that you consider uh, that you considered being a physician because you have a very approachable bedside manner. Well, thank you for that, JB. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, sometimes you 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 give what you get, right? And and I had those people in my life as well, who were warm and genuine and approachable and were were willing certainly to share and to help me grow. And so I think I deserve to hand that back to those who come along or have come along and, and serve as my students and learners as well. Terrific. Uh, let's find out about what happened after you graduated. Um, you have some specific role models that influenced your early years. Well, I do, and two of them, and, and um, both of them taught me some uh, unique lessons. The first was a lady named Emma Russo, and I worked for her actually with, from, with Bell South Corporation uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, and she's the one that taught me uh, the rule and the law of taking personal responsibility. Uh, do the job that you were hired to do, and then don't be afraid of being held accountable for it. In fact, she taught me uh, not to be afraid of failure because effort uh, was going, if you were really trying to do your job and to do it the right way, then you, you would fail from time to time. The, the key learning from that is to fail small or as, some, or as some people say, fail forward, you know, fall forward. I heard, uh, actually I saw on LinkedIn yesterday, one of our former MBA students, uh, uh, Marco uh, referred to falling forward, right? And so failing small or falling forward. But what Emmeline did for me in my young years as a supervisor was to teach me uh, not only that responsibility and accountability, but the, the health of talking about that with her. And she actually served as a coach for me to look for better ways to do things, more unique ways of doing things. And yes, occasionally, ways not to do certain things to learn from that. Uh, just out of curiosity, it, and it sounds like you were supervising people and she was managing you there. Um, so there were some moments of failure. What I'm curious about is how did she treat you in those moments of failure? She treated me like a learner. She treated me like um, um, an open door that she had that I could come in and feel comfortable. And this is going to be something I refer to in, in a few minutes as we talk further. Um, trust. Mm -hmm. so there, was, there was an automatic trust with Emma uh, that we could talk openly about the good and the bad and the ugly. We could talk openly about what we did right and what we did wrong. But most importantly, uh, opened the door to a genuine conversation for being coached in how to perform at, at, at a more productive rate. 
valuable stuff, particularly for managers. And, and if I may say, it, it sounds like this is the takeaway. But before we get to the takeaways, do you have another example that you wanted to share? Yeah, I do. His name's Lynn Fowler. And Mr. Fowler was um, uh, my third level above me um, as I became a manager in, in Bell South. And, um, you know, when you go to those meetings with uh, two or three levels higher than you, those meetings become much more strategic in nature of their discussion. Um, and Mr. Fowler would uh, uh, really portray that by giving the statement when we would all ask, so what do you want us to do? And Mr. Fowler said, well, Bob, I want you to do whatever's right. And he had a tendency to repeat that over and over. It used to drive us crazy, right? Well, Bob, uh, that's a great question um, and, a great, and a problem it sounds like uh, needs to be dealt with. Uh, just go do whatever's right. And I go, no, no, Mr. Fowler, please give me the answer. Lay it out for me, A, B, C. And he said, okay. He said, um, this, I'm, I trust in you that you'll go do whatever's right. And so it, it took a little while, maybe even some months, J.B., before I finally, I'd, I'd leave his office going, what does he mean by do whatever's right? And it finally hit me that he wanted me to think through the problem-solving process, the decision-making process to rectify what might be a challenge or an issue for the company and for my department. And so what I learned from that, and again, the takeaway, and we'll, we'll, we'll go back over these again, I can summarize it uh, for you, is to be a critical thinker to think, then plan, then act, then do. You know, and that's an old org behavior um, uh, mantra that, that is taught in every org behavior class across the world, right? You know, to, to think, plan, act, do. But I see so many organizations who are always going, you know, ready, aim, fire, right? That's the way it should be, a ready, set, go. And but so many organizations run around going, ready, fire, ready, go, you know, and don't stop to think through how they're going to think through the approach to solving a problem. Let me give you a great example. I see so many team meetings where people come into a meeting and they spend an hour arguing with each other. When all we needed to do is to turn that, to do the colliery of that, and to come in and talk about how they can support and supplement each other, to talk about it in positive, in appreciative inquiry. Uh, well, I am a big fan of appreciative inquiry, and I think that you may have provided the takeaway, but I would just like to take it a step further. Okay. Uh, based on the examples that you've shared, uh, I think there's a fundamental trust that needs to happen between the managers and the people who report to them. So what do you think it is that prevents managers from developing this trust? JB, that list is awful long, my friend, uh, of, the, of the list of reasons why trust isn't fostered in an organization. But let me, let me try to uh, boil it down to, to a simple um, thing and tie it back to purpose, which we've already talked about. First of all, we're all different, right? Some of us are similar, some of us are drastically different, and some of us have certain things in common or in difference with each other. We're all motivated by different styles, by different uh, motives with, within us and the values that we hold dear. When you get a group of people, be it two people in a room or 200 people in a room, 
good managers, good leaders, good employees take into consideration that everybody in the room is not exactly like them. And so their goal becomes, instead of fighting that, becoming a part of that. Now, some people call that diversity. Some people call it inclusion. Some people call it employee engagement. But what the at sum for that is, is trust. If we're able to sit down and listen effectively to what the other person has to say, to present our ideas as well, to look at a problem or a situation in a comprehensive fashion and have as the common denominator purpose, the purpose, what's the goal of the organization? If we can do all of that work, all of that, and, and d demonstrate all of that behavior in appreciative ways with each other, targeted at fulfilling the mission of the organization, that's why we chose to work there. That's why we chose to be a part of this common thrust. Absolutely. It is a choice, and it's a great reminder. Uh, you choose to be here. You can leave at any time. And we're on a learning journey together and we have to help each other get through it. Um, our guest is Dr. Robert Prescott, also known as Dr. Bob, and we will be back in a moment to learn more about his professional journey. Please stay with us. Hey listeners, this is Clara Mount, host of VMG's original series, Replay. In the next few weeks, I'll be hosting the Crummer Hour, where we'll invite today's Crummer Connections guests to return so they can respond to questions and comments from the Crummer community. We would love to include your thoughts as well. Send us a question or a comment and we'll read your name on the air. You can email me at clara at victormediagroup.co. Look for a link in the show notes and thanks so much. This is JB Adams with an important message. As a member of the Crummer community, you know it's the people that you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I wanna tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. Rollins Connect is coming soon and we'll have more details about it in the coming weeks. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm JB Adams. Our guest is Dr. Robert Prescott, better known as Dr. Bob, continuing graduate faculty of management at the Crummer School. And uh, in a moment, we're going to be talking about the making of a professor. But before we do that, we're going to have a little chat right now um, to let our listeners know that in addition to your teaching responsibilities, you also provide management development workshops. Uh, tell us about some of the topics that you work with there. Oh, goodness. Uh, anything related to behavior in organizations, JB. Um, management development workshops, let's, let's turn that around. They're workshops to help managers develop themselves, uh, not in strategy or marketing or finance or accounting. Well, I'll leave those to the professionals who are much more learned than me in those particular areas. But in, in managing and developing oneself, right? Becoming, I used to refer to it in classes, I just want to be a better Bob, right? I just want to be, JB, you want to be a better J, JB, you know? And, um, and so I, I continue to work, uh, even after retiring from full-time classroom work, uh, with companies from all sectors, uh, public sector, private sector, not-for-profit sector, um, in developing uh, and designing and delivering workshops on leadership, on communication skills, on conflict resolution, on um, collaboration, on problem solving, team building, those types of things. All right. We are going to make sure that we include your email address in the show notes 
sort of uh, if folks are interested in that, they can contact you directly. Oh, well, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, before the break, we were chatting about your early business influences, and now we want to talk about what we call the making of a professor. It's kind of a narrow path choosing to become a professor. And as I mentioned earlier, you had a full 18 year career in the telecom industry before you made this decision. So what were your original intentions with your career and how did you find yourself on this path? Wow. Look, JB, again, I'm, now you're asking me to do a life review. I think that's not only healthy, but it, it's uh, for somebody of, of my years, it's also a, a daunting task to look back and reflect on it. And thank you for you and I preparing for that and for this particular podcast to deliver this message to our to our constituents. But, you know, my aspirations when I went to work was to uh, be a good person and work a long term career with one company, you know, kind of keep my head down, feet moving, nose clean, do good work and really to provide for my family that, that providing for my family has to be an overarching goal of a primary goal of, of mine uh, throughout life. But then along came, um, and, and so I went to work for that company, Bell South, as you've already mentioned, and worked for them for 18 years in a number of different jobs. And um, I'm proud to say that I, I worked my way up uh, multiple positions, and, and I got to a level of uh, director of HR for a $800, billion, $800 million division of Bell South. And I kind of looked in, in a life reflection, a career assessment at a level or two above me, and I didn't really like what I saw. And please, I'm not being critical of those jobs. They're wonderful jobs with lots of responsibility and accountability to provide good service to the public. But it really, what it took to be successful in those particular jobs from an attitudinal or a behavioral standpoint, I really, it just really wasn't me. I felt like it was a little bit lacking of genuineness at times and, and, and the connection with people. I needed to be involved with people. And so um, the part of doing my job, though, uh, what happened is a little bit of serendipitous experience uh, occurred here. Um, I was nominated to uh, or appointed to go off and, and go to an executive high level executive education program. And I was told to choose that program based on my own specific uh, individual development plan and my own specific needs for growing to become a, a more well-rounded manager and executive. And uh, I narrowed my choice down to Penn State University. And this is where the serendipitous uh, theme comes in. Now, if I may interrupt, uh, when the company sends you to leadership development, they consider it an investment. They do. And with that in mind, they're investing in you to continue working for them. So, yes, yeah. All right. it didn't turn out that way for me. And then, but little did I know or they know that that this would uh, this wouldn't happen. Uh, what what I'm I'll, I'll share with you happened over the next two to three years would would transpire. Um, I wound up going to the program and I, and I came back to my job at Bell South and I was a, a better manager, uh, cer certainly more self-aware and more keen on what my talents and skills could could offer uh, an organization. And I began applying those at Bell South. And so for the next two or three years, I uh, wound up implementing many of the things I learned at this program, you know, at work. So to that degree, that investment paid off for them. 
But what happened along the way is the, the I had made um, a, a good acquaintance in the dean of the School of Business at Penn State. He was the faculty lead for the program I went to. And he called me one day and asked me would I serve on an advisory board for uh, executive education for, for Penn State. Uh, in their attempt to try to offer better programs. And anyway, I, I wholeheartedly agreed. I was honored that they would ask me. So for those um, a couple of years, I would fly back and forth uh, on my, some of my vacation time to uh, State College, Pennsylvania, and, and serve on this advisory board. And we, in dealing with how to help that organization grow and sustain itself over time, they decided to add a certain position to the executive education department at in the School of Business at Penn State. And um, on my flight home, I was so moved by that opportunity that I called that dean and said, what would you think if I threw my name in the hat for that job? And he, he answered me with what turned out to be a life-changing um, reply. He said, I was hoping you would throw your hat in that ring. And so the next thing I know, I'm moving my family, my life, my family, and my Southern accent to State College, Pennsylvania, and I wound up completing my PhD there while working full time. I focused in on uh, workforce development and focused in on uh, human resource management as my dissertation topic, but also wound up that it dawned on me through going through that PhD program that my true calling in life, my midlife dream, not a midlife crisis, but my midlife dream was to become a teacher and that that's what I should have done. I had held uh, corporate training positions at Bell South, but I had really never thought about teaching as a full-time career until all of this serendipitous kind of experience came together and said, um, found Bob looking in the mirror going, you're a teacher, my friend, and that's what you're called to do. And uh, with that in mind, uh, I mean, to sort of wrap up this message, what would you say is your career philosophy to anybody out there who's trying to build a career? What's the philosophy and what advice would you give? For them building their career? Mm -hmm. Jump in the deep end. Learn to swim. Trust yourself. Do that with education do that with building self-awareness, do that by understanding the needs of those that you plan to serve, but jump in. You know, one of the things, uh, uh, my mom passed away many, many years ago, and, but one thing that she taught me I was, as I was growing up was, if you're gonna get in something, get in it. Think it through, there's that critical thinking coming back to play, right? First, think it through. If you have a passion, if you have a mindset or an attitude, with a goal in mind, think that through, think about the good, the bad, you know, what, what the ups and downs, what the possibilities, what, what might be restraining you from, from fulfilling that. But once you make a decision that, and have thought it through and trust your thinking, then jump in the deep end and get involved in it up to your, well, I won't say up to your ears because we tend to drown when we do, but up to your chin anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, Dr. Bob, I am sorry to say that we're about to wrap up our time together. And as we come to the conclusion, is there any final message that you would like to share with the Crummer community? JB, yes, and thank you for the opportunity to do that. Commit yourself to lifelong learning. Um, 
I can remember those early days in, in, in school and in my career uh, from 18 to 22 years old. Believe it or not, I can still remember that. But even today, as I sit here many years and decades later, I'm still committed to being a better Bob, to, to, growing, to waking up every day and trying to learn something new every day. I think it would help us as individuals and think certainly it would help us as a society and as, as organizations in business to, to be committed to learning something new every day. And then the ability to take that learning and have the trust and have the attitude and yeah, have the personal responsibility to apply that in, in growth oriented terms to, to leave the place a little bit better than you found it. I couldn't say it any better. Uh, powerful words from Dr. Robert Prescott. Dr. Bob, thanks so much for joining us here on Karma Connections and sharing your story. It's always a great pleasure to spend some time with you. You too, JB. What an honor. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Crummer Connections podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, please follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, with production assistance by Kyle Sawyer and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.